He shall speak great words against the Most High, shall wear out the saints of the Most High. Think to change times and laws, they shall be given into his hand until a time, and times, and the dividing of times. Our title tonight is Wearing Out the Saints. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you, God. We give you glory. Give you honor. Give you praise. We're just asking for you to have your way in this service. God, open our understanding. Help us, Lord. I pray, God, that you minister to each and every one of us. God, we're, we're at with you in our relationship. God, help us tonight, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Somebody say, in Jesus' name. You can be seated. Saints in Daniel 7.25 is from the word hoya goy in the original, meaning holy ones or Jews. The Antichrist will persecute the saints of the Most High, the Jews, God chose, God's chosen people during the tribulation. It's not the saints here in 725 is not the ecclesia or the called out ones, which is the bride of Christ. Our text is a set tribulation, but we understand leading up to the tribulation forces of darkness are at work escalating same conditions that will be out of control, more intense, more volatile during the tribulation. In other words, we are dealing with tribulation conditions now as forces of darkness prepare minds for tribulation living. We're in an all-out fight against forces of evilness that is attempting to take down individuals, families, and churches. Satan is out to kill, steal, and destroy. That has never been more apparent than it is today. Through the spirit of this age, the spirit of Antichrist, Satan seeks to wear out the saints of the Most High. According to 1 John 4, 3, the spirit of Antichrist is at work in the world. John Gill's expository explains that Satan seeks to wear out the saints, attacking them, attempting to pry them from their relationship with Christ. He will wear out the saints by his wars with them, murders and massacres of them, by taking away their lives and their substance, lessening their numbers, weakening their strength and power, wear them out as a garment is worn out. As the word signifies, he will attempt to utterly consume and destroy them, wear out their patience. The word in the Arabic means to afflict or handle roughly. Daniel 7.25 describes the wearing down of people today. The commentary explains the details. There are many Secular reports and articles that show the visible truthfulness of Scripture prediction as it plays out in our daily lives. It's Scripture that is a clear sign, warning not to fall to an already defeated foe and his schemes to overwhelm humanity. Scripture says that it's going to happen, but... It also gives us plenty of promises to live by and to overcome. Huffington Post published an article about what the constant exposure of negative news is during doing that, what it's doing to our mental health. I quote, thanks to 24-hour news cycle, alerts of shootings, plane crashes, ISIS beheadings, crime, war, human rights violations are constant. This incessant news of violence and destruction is messing with our heads. The news can be violent. It can be depressing, emotionally charged. Dr. Graham Davy, a British psychologist, says the violent media exposure can intensify or contribute to the, to the development of stress, anxiety, depression, 
and even post-traumatic stress disorder. Our times are biblical, a time of wearing down the saints. A camera records a young boy sitting at a desktop computer. He is seen avidly playing an online game. His eyes are glued to the screen. The game isn't going the way he hoped it would go. Quickly, he's totally out of control. He loses control of emotions in a fit of rage. Mary Aiken, a cyber psychologist, says gamers become engrossed in playing games. A gamer becomes distressed when they make mistakes. When interrupted by a person in the real world many times, melts down, throws tantrums, has breakdowns, emotions all rolled into one. And if you don't believe violence in games and videos trigger emotions, ask the family of the eight-year-old in South Louisiana, Slaughter, Louisiana, playing grand auto theft that shot his grandmother, killing her instantly. Over 1.2 billion people are involved in gaming. Professionals report while some games are harmless, there are plenty of adverse effects of gaming to society. The point, it's adding to the stress level of people. It reaches further than just the participant. Smart's social reports, research findings show that individuals who spend more, to, more than two hours per day on social media are more likely to report poor mental health, including psychological distress, symptoms of anxiety and depression. How many people do you know that spend an accumulative two hours or more on social media per day? Now, I'm not down on your Facebook. I'm not down on Twitter. My... my my social media of choice is Twitter. That's not what I'm doing. I'm not preaching against Twitter and Facebook and all the other social medias tonight. I am saying that it can be abusive. We can abuse it. And if we're not careful, we can fall into these categories that I'm talking about tonight. I'm saying, like anything else, that professionals tell us that abuse leads to adverse effects on our mental state, which adds to the wearing against our minds. Secular workplace professionals, not Christian studies, tells us it wears down the mind, the human mind. Adverse effects wreak havoc in families and with individuals. Reports suggest it affects mental health. Its effects are far-reaching beyond just the participant. We're talking tonight about weapons of the enemy that, it, that he's using to wear down people. Psychology Today recently published an article discussing the anxiety in the modern world. It discussed diversity and its effects on society, but its pressure to imitate drains the brain. It discussed people watching TV. Everybody is beautiful. Everything has a perfect ending. Everybody is rich. Beautiful, rich, perfect, like, kind of like me. Sports figures are athletic. See how bulked up I am? But then it listed the statistic that only a fraction of the top 1% live in that world of talent, wealth, and beauty. And it's those celebrities that society is comparing itself to whether it realizes it or not. We live in a society that believes it can make up its own rules regardless of its immorality or its lawlessness. Technological advancement today is at warp speed. The learning curve is increasing exponentially to keep up. It seems life would be more simple, but life has become more complicated. The production levels of doing more has increased extensively, adding stress from corporations no longer satisfied with the status quo growth. We live in a world of burnout, mad after knowledge advancement. Am I, am I relating to anybody tonight? The purpose of Muslim hijra and jihad is to break down societal infrastructure of the enemy by immigration infiltration. 
It's designed to take nations without firing a shot. You don't have to look any further than the UK to see the results. England has many major cities with Muslim mayors. The negative drain against our minds fails to register with us. But the news of terrorists, strikes, bombings take their toll. We don't even realize the news fatigue and its effect. Life continues in the face of pressure from constant adversity. Life wears us down. People experience what is called burnout. Too many are walking dead zombies facing bleak tomorrows, attempting to figure out how to get off of this spinning planet of horrors. I may not have just described your world, but it does describe an average of 123 people per day, right at 45,000 individuals per year in the U.S. alone that commit suicide so they don't have to face another sunrise. When I read that statistic, I'm thinking about 123 souls that went out into eternity. It's a wearing down of people. Another myth that elevates Christian burnout is the philosophy that there are many ways to Christ. Find the one that best suits you. Follow the path to Christ the way that fits you best. Whether we realize it or not, this environment of live any way you want to stresses the Christian mentality that true followers of Christ attempt to live in. Satan works against the minds of those fighting illness and even whole congregations as individuals fight sickness and disease, warring against and wearing down the minds of those that are in the battle. In this hour of extreme deception, people burn out to Christianity because they blame God for the dysfunction around them, forgetting or ignoring that it's people making wrong choices that cause the dysfunction. We're talking about a mind shift tonight. Intensifying our relationship with God through prayer, fasting, praise, and worship. Falling in love with Jesus over and over and over and over and over again. Seeking the mind of Christ, refuting world thinking mindsets. Why don't somebody give him a hand clap of praise? It takes total commitment. It takes a sellout. It is a holy and set apart lifestyle that has to be lived to thwart the attack of satanic opposition. Today, the lines that used to be so clearly black and white aren't even gray anymore. Washed out and watered down without any substance. Abomination years ago that was preached against by religions, is now embraced by those same religions. Scripture has been twisted and added to to facilitate all lifestyles and to accommodate all ways to Christ. The philosophy of many religious figures proclaim, we will all meet on the, on the sunny banks of heaven, regardless of what path, what lifestyle you choose, whether you believe in Christ and obey biblical principles or not. Just live good lives and we'll meet you there. That's not what my Bible says. My Bible says there is only one way. That's through Jesus Christ. Scripture says there's ways that seem right to man and those ways are pathways of death. Christians are judge, judgmental. If they express their concern of someone living in sin or in an immoral lifestyle, attempting to be wise but harmless in your witness wears against the mind, it can stress the Christian to spiritual exhaustion. The spirit of this age is hard at work. It seeks to wear out the saints. We are dealing with daily events that attempt 
to break down the sound mind that Christ gives. Just as terrorists in the physical, evil forces of darkness attempt to replace the mind of Christ with fear, doubt, worry, anxiety, and disbelief. We are dealing with stuff in life that leads to the dulling of the senses to the spiritual. People are tired, and on roads of life they travel is full and it has hard and tough times. There's a lot of stuff taking place that we don't understand unless we look at it through biblical lenses. Bottom line, all of these things can can become quite heavy if we fail to balance it with prayer and time in Scripture. We must embrace the promises of the Word of God. We can't lose sight that we are meant to dwell in high places above the dysfunction of this world. When we allow the Word of God to keep us sharpened, the dullness and the numbness of this world has little to no effect against us. Scripture is emphatic. God speaks through Hosea. My people perish for lack of knowledge. It's an admonishment that we must seek the face of God. We must pray without ceasing. We must strengthen our relationship with Christ at all costs, forsaking this world and all that it has to offer. We must be honest with ourselves. Are we all in, completely focused on Christ? What would our praise and worship be like if we were all in? What would our prayer be like if we were all in for Jesus? What would our daily Bible study be like? How would our life be different than it is now? Would our conversations, our interests be different? Would we act different? What would be different if my walk was 100% consumed with Jesus Christ? It's self-evaluation that paints an ugly picture if we're honest with ourselves and our self-diagnosis of our relationship with Christ. When all of this came to me and I started looking at it, I didn't like what I saw. I didn't like what I was thinking. It's not something that you look at honestly and you come away with, I'm doing everything I can for Christ. I fall far short. I'm a person that I'm trying to get to the place where I need to be with Him. I understand that I've got a long way to go. I'm seeking Him with all my heart, my mind, my soul, my strength. I just wonder if there's anybody in the house. You've got your mind made up. Your mind is on Jesus. You're seeking Him with it. Why don't somebody stand to their feet and say, Lord, it doesn't matter what else happens in life, but I'm seeking your face. I'm looking to you, Jesus. I want to be everything I can for you. Even the delay of Christ, you can be seated. The delay of Christ's return, found in 2 Peter 3 3, that Peter warns us would take, the Bible tells us it's going to take place. Read 2 Peter 3 3, study it. It's a delay. I hear people talking about the delay. About, about we've got a reprieve. It's not a reprieve, it's a delay. It's a biblical rela- delay that the Bible says would take place. Why? So that everybody will come to repentance. He doesn't want anybody perishing. And he's giving people a chance, a window of, a door of opportunity And people sit and they judge and say, where is the coming of Christ? Where is his coming? We've heard it all of our life. It's been pounded into us. It's been preached into us. And they question where is his coming. There's your answer right there. There's a delay that every honest-hearted person that will yield to his spirit will have, that will come to repentance will be saved in the last hour. I 
A neuroscientist says our brain have a mechanism to decouple stark truths, such as the certainty of death from their emotional impact. Otherwise, we might forever be paralyzed with fear and do nothing at all with our lives. His conclusions are, they're drawn from the studies of people and conditions that make them deny that they have paralysis or some other disability. Paralyzed individuals will often, many times, they'll offer wildly inventive explanations for their body not functioning. We attempt to keep troubling truths from our conscious minds. I just wonder how many are shutting off part of the brain that a rapture is going to take place. How many are disregarding and pushing aside Jesus is coming soon. He says, deceiving ourselves about core challenges of adult life, career, money, sexual identity, and marriage, fooling ourselves can have devastating consequences. This is a neuroscientist. I'll add to it with Bible backing. We put ourselves in jeopardy of losing our spiritual authority, dying a spiritual death when we give place to world system philosophy. Without the mind of Christ through a stellar walk with Christ, we become easily confused to what truth really is. We must have the mind of Christ. Seeking relationship with Him above everything else is paramount in this hour. It's the obvious things, the everyday life events that we deal with that numbs and lukewarms us the mundane of life. The analogy of the frog placed in cool water. Then the heat is turned up to boiling as it consumes the life out of the frog. The whole time he's in denial that everything is A-OK. Life's a party. No, life is boiling the life out of you. The enemy wears the people down while powering up his king to power. Saints of God must follow Biblical instruction and principle, it's that simple. Psychology Today made an observation in an article about our culture of extreme theme. It stated people are increasingly seduced into believing that intensity equals being alive. It said when that happens, the mind becomes wired for drama and the soul is starved of meaningful purpose. We were built, mind, body, and soul to house the Spirit of God. To be a vessel that is completely inspired by Christ. Everybody on the planet was designed to be driven by the supernatural powers of the Holy Ghost. To receive our energy, purpose, and intensity from the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. 1 Corinthians 6.19 tells us, Know you not, know ye not that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit? When we depart from any part of allowing God to be Lord of all of our lives, it's then that the love of the world begins to seep in. Our senses to the Spirit begin breaking down. 1 John 2.15 tells us to love not the things of this world. Anything can become an idol if we aren't careful. Those things can be given place above God. Paul said we must die daily. We must crucify our flesh from ruling our thought lives on a daily basis. It takes overcoming the flesh daily to ward off the dullness of spiritual burnout. We must endure to the end. The only way that we sustain enduring to the end is through a deep, consecrated relationship in Jesus Christ with a hearty diet of prayer, fasting, and consuming fire of the Holy Ghost burning within us like fire shut up in our bones, allowing the regeneration of our mind through reading and studying 
the word of God. Christ told the church in Sardis, you have a, a few people in Sardis who have not defiled their garments. They shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Luke 21, 36 instructs us to pray always that we may be accounted worthy to escape the things that shall come to pass. All through Scripture, the Bible is telling us not to be caught unaware of the things coming because they will come. It's back to that faith and trust thing that we've always been taught and heard preached a lifetime. Scripture is telling us to faint not. Be long-suffering in our watching and waiting for Him. Don't grow weary. Don't burn out. How? Keep our eyes focused on Jesus. Keep our eyes and our mind on the cross. Christ said a few were worthy in the church of Sardis. Apparently the other members made up the dead part of the church. They had defiled their garments. What does this mean? Members of the church of Sardis had had a spiritual death. They had allowed wrong thinking to take over, had let their guard down and the enemy to come in. This was a people serving God, but they had stopped being vigilant and steadfast in their state of preparedness to God. They were, they were talking the talk, but they weren't walking the walk. The Laodicea church thought they were in good shape spiritually, but their condition was a similar condition to the church in Sardis. They were lukewarm. Their, their complacency and their self-delusion had led them to an attitude of compromise. The lukewarm don't really want to be saved from their sin. They are satisfied in their condition. They are enjoying their carnality. They just don't want to suffer the consequences of their sin. Complacency and self-delusion will lead to compromise. It doesn't matter what adverse effects you're, you're dealt with as a church or individually. What matters is how steadfast we remain individually to Christ. When I don't lose vision of what God wants to do with and through me, then I won't be part of the problem of God fixing the church. I am part of the solution. When we are cold in Christ, just going through the motions, we allow our relationship with Jesus to be hijacked. Then we can become lukewarm. There are a lot of things that involve the body of Christ in unity. But too often as a body of believers, we funnel this stuff down to a church thing. The first thing we have to do is to get ourselves right. Individually, when we get our walk with Christ right, then the, whole, the church can become whole. Proverbs 18, 21 tells us that the power of life and death, death, death is in the tongue. There is power to our words and what we say about ourselves and to others. That devil cannot read our mind. Demonic beings form attack plans from what they hear and what they observe. When we speak the negative, we are adding fuel to the fire. When we allow the carnal to consume us, we open doors to attack from the spiritual world of darkness. When we allow the immoral to entertain us, vulgar, promiscuous lifestyles, lives of fantasy, through sitcoms, movies, gaming, etc., individuals think that it does not have any effect on them. Contrary to that thinking, even secular religion is takes taking a stand against the evilness of Hollywood, even though for years they didn't. The Christian world realizes the evilness of what psychologists have attempted to tell society for years. The violence, wickedness, alternative lifestyles, same-sex marriages, promiscuous lifestyles, etc., on and on, is taking its toll on humanity. We have to be careful what feeds our mind. A steady doubt of fear, a steady diet of fear, doubt, unbelief, negative thinking, etc. Even under the label of entertainment allows our mind to be dulled to sensitivity of the spirit. 
It is, a, it is fuel to wearing down the mind. This message isn't an effort to expose, to enlighten, to equip against Satan's strategy for this last hour that he attempts to bring against the saints of God. Christ's admonition to the Laodicean church is timeless. Revelations 3.18 tells us not to to, to rid ourselves of impure thoughts and actions, to remove the spots and the stains of sin from our life, to shun the world of wickedness, to shun the idols of world philosophy, to stop deceiving ourselves. The scripture says, Christ is standing at the door and he's knocking. Be zealous, be repent. If you hear his voice and you open the door to him, Christ says, I will come in and commune with you. We can know the voice of God. We can have the mind of Christ. We've just got to shut out the voices of this world. We've got to shut off the distractions of this world. Our attention is directed to the end of this age by many different scriptures throughout the Bible. The focus points to the everlasting kingdom of Christ on this earth. It points to the future reality of the new heaven and the new earth. The restoration and the transformation of the cosmos. But right now, its admonitions, its exhortations are from ancient writings are timeless and they're relevant for this time. The Bible... The infallible word, its teachings, it's a message from God to his people. All his people, for all times, for every situation. The ancient scriptures cry out from the pages of the Bible. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. 2 Peter 3.9 is saying... The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie. Regardless of how mundane life gets, how old the message is, if we will simply put our faith and our trust in God, Deuteronomy 28, 6 says, if you will just do what the word of God says, follow his directions, Deuteronomy 28 tells us the Lord will set us above the pressure of of the nations. Blessings will overtake us. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the field. Your health will be blessed. The good things you sow will be blessed. You will be blessed going in and coming out. Everything you do will be blessed. Simply listening and following the commandments of the Lord. You know what that tells me? There's a protection in Jesus. If I put everything in him and I give him everything I've got, he's already proven it before. When all of the things came against Israel, he took his people to Goshen and he protected them. So he's already done it. So if he's already done it, what does the scripture say? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If I will just give myself to him, and I will trust in him, I come up under the protection and the umbrella of his protection. I'm attempting to tell somebody tonight, this is not the day or the hour to straddle the fence. This is the day to dive in with everything you got. Would you give him another hand clap of praise? John 16, says, we will face, it doesn't say you might, doesn't say you maybe it, it'll happen, doesn't say it could happen. Doesn't say a certain sect of people is going to ha- have it and everybody else is going to be excluded from it. It says, you will face tribulation. Now that word tribulation is not wrath. That word means you will face pressure. You will face trouble. Is anybody facing any pressure? Any trouble? Oh, there's nobody here. 
okay, I'm seeing a hand or two. Now, I thought somebody had already died and gone to heaven, and I kind of missed it. Y'all just invited me to here to be a little bit part of it. I was thinking about moving to central Louisiana there for a second. You relating to what I'm talking about? You will face pressure. You will face trouble. You will have family. Oh, I got to describe that too. There will be sickness. There will be illness. There will be untimely death. That devil will play havoc in your home. Dysfunction will take place. But I've got scripture that says, greater is he in me than he that's in the world. I believe if I've got a relationship with Christ, I believe if I'm walking with him and he's walking with me, if it's not a 9-1-1 relationship, you know, when something happens, oh God, but I've got relationship with him, brother. Now God's got to take care of you. But when you've got a confidence in Jesus, because you've got to walk with him. You got you talking with him. You got relationship with him. When something pops up, whether it be a devil or just life, all you have to do is just stand back and say, God, my faith and my trust is in you, and I know you're going to take care of it. How do I know that? Because I've already got relationship with him. I've already got a prayer life. I got a prayer closet. I'm talking to him on a daily basis. It's not a 911 relationship. It's not something, oh God, emergency taking place. I better talk to Jesus. No, I've got confidence. I've got faith knowing that he's going to show up and take care. I wish somebody would praise him right now. Somebody that knows what I'm talking about. Isaiah 40, 31 says, if we wait on the Lord, We watch and pray. We show our faith through praise and worship to Christ. The Lord shall renew our strength. We will mount up with wings of eagles. We will run this race of life. We won't be weary of the journey. We will walk through the pitfall falls of life. We will not faint. That's what it's telling me. Is it saying, I won't burn out. I won't wear out. I'm I'm in God's army, and I'm marching, and I'm going. I've got my mind on Jesus. I've got my eye on the prize. I will not stumble. I will not fall. I will make it to the end. Give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and his mercies endure forever. Is there anybody in the house? That will give thanks to Jesus. Will somebody praise Jesus like he deserves your prayer? Has he done anything for anybody in the house tonight? Let's all stand. He will never leave nor forsake you. In this hour when hell is pitted full force against humanity, we simply have to go all in for Jesus because he's already all in for us. In our relationship with Christ, all in keeps us from wearing out. Would you give him another hand clap of praise? Would somebody just worship him for a moment? If you really believe Christ has you, would you just give him some praise right now? Would somebody give him praise? Would somebody worship him? Hallelujah. 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 Jesus, I honor you and I praise you, Lord. This is how I feel to close this tonight. We've talked about the enemy wearing out the saints. The world, a volatile place. Life, 
struggle is just wearing people down. Well, I'm pretty sure none of y'all have felt that here. There hadn't been any sickness, been no illness, no flooding, no hurricanes. Y'all think I'm crazy, don't you? You see, the psychologists are telling us, this is what's going on with you. Right over our heads. The devil is doing his job good. Remember the frog? That's every one of us. I said us. We've lived this life. We've walked through so much. Y'all hadn't had any killings here in Baton Rouge either. Life hadn't touched Baton Rouge. It's all good. I look at faces. Everybody got the Pentecostal mask on. Everything's good. I got no problems. Me and my family sit around and sing, come, what's that song? Kumbaya. Life is a rose. Everything's great. Nobody wants to admit, if you saw my family. See, I'm looking at faces, nothing wrong. Now, I understand none of us ought to be walking around in the mully grubs with a big old friend, except when we go to Walmart. Pentecostals are horrible at Walmart. You won't show it in church, you'll show it at Walmart. The very place you should be witnessing to folk, you got the ugly face, it's all over you, but walking in the church, Everything's good. How you doing tonight, sister? It's all good. I've lost my mind, huh, Sister Murphy? Nobody wants anybody to know anything. And that's all fine. But I'm trying to tell somebody, you better find you an altar. You better find your place to pray. And you better open up to Jesus. We ain't got no priests here. Where you come and give, what do they call it, confession? But you better confess to Christ. You better get it right with Jesus. You better say, Lord, I can't make it without you. I can't do this without you. God, I got to have you. Somebody better pray the prayer, Lord, I'm dependent on you. I can't walk an inch without you. I've got to have you holding my hand. Am I relating to anybody tonight? We're dependent on him. If we become dependent on him. My not wearing out depends on my relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the message tonight. I've got to have a stellar relationship. I'm trying to quit. We've got to admit that we can't do this on our own. We can't do it by ourselves, And we're dependent on God. We've got to take the facade off to Him. And we've got to say, Jesus, I'm trying to tell people tonight, you're not going to make it through this end time hour if you don't get real and right with your Savior. I've attempted to give you scripture. There's so many blessings in that book. So many promises. But to activate those blessings and promises. I've got to be right with him. I've got to have communication and relationship with him. 
I've got to be coming to him on my knees and on my faith. It says, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess. That's not just talking to the world. That's talking to the church. And it's even telling the church, you will bow. But we get in the church and all of a sudden, we've got this bulletproof armor on that he can't penetrate. Baloney. We've got to take that thing off and say, God, here I am. Here I am, Lord. I'm talking to somebody tonight. None of that's in my notes. He's reaching for somebody in this house. Here's how we're closing. Now, I'm not talking about the sinner. I'm not talking about, it, about people that are backslid. I'm talking about you as a saint of God. You have felt the attack. You have felt things coming against you and against your family that has tried to close a noose on your neck. It's tried to squeeze the life out of you. If you have felt the attack of the enemy that has come against you, your home, even this church, I want you to step out and I want you to come to this front. You've had fear. You felt fear. You felt felt fear attacked your home. You felt confusion. You've dealt with dysfunction. You've dealt with things in your family. You've dealt with things at work and you've dealt with things at home. I want you to come up as close as you can get to this front. We're getting ready to pray for each other in just a second. But the first thing I want every one of us to do, I want us to clean ourselves out before God. I'm going to repent with everyone in this house. I'm going to repent with you. But I want you to clean yourself out. Lord, forgive me of everything I've done. Anything I've said, any thought I've had. God, I ask you to forgive me tonight. I pray, Lord, that you make me white as snow. God, anything that is, that is indifferent to what you want in my life, God, I'm asking you to forgive me right now. I'm asking you to cleanse me. I'm asking you to purify me. God, I seek your face. I seek your faces tonight. Now, I want you to grab the person's hand beside you. The Spirit of the Lord is here. His presence is in this place. And I believe... Because his presence is in this place. That he will lead and guide you in how to pray for your neighbor. I want you to ask God, Lord, show me, tell me, lead me how to pray for my neighbor tonight. And then I want you to begin to pray for your neighbor. I want you to pray with an urgency. I want you to pray with an urgency like you want them to pray for you. I want you to call on Jesus right now. Everyone in this building, I want you to call on Jesus for your neighbor. Why don't you call? Why don't you do that right now? Just go ahead. Lord, I yield to you. I give you my everything. I give you my all. God, I come to you tonight. And I'm asking you, Jesus, as I yield myself to you. I'm asking you, Lord, show me, Lord. Help me, God, to know how to pray for my my friend. Lord, in the name of Jesus. Now, God, by the power and authority of the Word of God, in Jesus' name, you see each and every person in this house. God, I'm praying right now that you will have your way, that your will will be done in this house. I'm praying, God, that you break down walls. Break them down, Lord. I pray, God, chains are broken in individuals' lives tonight. I pray it, God, by the power and authority of the Word of God. I speak faith over this congregation right now. I speak, God, by the power and authority of the Word of God. I speak it, Jesus, your Spirit, God, 
the authority God will flow in this place right now.
Hallelujah. Come on, Grace Church. This is a sovereign move of the Holy Ghost again here tonight. This is God's way of saying, I love you and I've got this. It's God's way of saying, I love you and I've got this. Somebody let him have his way. Somebody accept what God's doing right now. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Thank you. 